A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems, too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and, of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable, too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. I want to win the league, but I want to win it better. You can understand that, can't you? Yes. Good luck. So he's almost like having a second captain in the team. Second captain, first captain, whatever. Thanks for taking the time to join us on this post All Ireland Hurling final Monday. This is the Irish Times Second Captain's Podcast with Owen Murphy and Ken. Hi, guys. Hello there, Owen. How are you? Uh, Murphy, you look like you're over it now. But uh, what was. You're on the way to being over it now, yeah. but what was your reaction at the final whistle? Uh, oh, I turned to my wife and I said, nah, <laughs> and uh, or something to that effect. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, she was disappointed. And then she pointed at a child directly in front of me. And uh, there was a little boy there. Just imagine a little Galway supporter. Mm-hmm. The picture in your head is almost precisely, it's a cherubic, beautiful child uh, in a Galway jersey where, uh, with a Galway flag and a little Galway baseball cap, right? And uh, he was crying the biggest tears, like uh, physically the biggest tears. You know the way in movies you can really tell when an actor is not crying, but they've actually just like squirted giant like globules of water. Like the tears were not getting past his his, uh, cheekbones. They were falling from his cheekbones onto the the steps of the... Making great splashes on the concrete. Huge, big... Splashes on the Hot, concrete. salty splashes of and I was just, pain. I was just, <laughs> I was just looking at this kid, and I was like, I've never been that disappointed about anything or heartbroken about anything as that poor kid is right now. And it did actually kind of break my heart a little, to be honest. Yeah. But um, that's an important. So that made it worse for you by looking at this kid. Oh, it really did. Better, I would have thought. No, not really, to be honest. Actually, it was well. It was kind of. I don't feel as bad as that, but at the same time, God. This is really depressing. I really like imagine I would have been sitting in front of this kid when the final whistle went and Galway had won. Yeah. And that would have been a life affirming, beautiful moment for me. Uh, quite apart from my own emotions, I would be able to see a little child experiencing pure, unadulterated joy. In- instead, I got to see the not quite so pure or indeed unadulterated uh, joy of a couple of large Kilkenny men. The adulterated been, joy of large Kilkenny yeah, men. Who had been bawling loudly in my ear saying, come on the cats for the entire game. And that's, you know, that's fine. You know, that's fine. They're supporting their team. The only way this could be more perfect is if they saw the kid and pointed their yeah, fingers and started laughing loudly at him. Yeah, yeah. Well, how do you feel You got 80 more years of this, buddy. We <laughs> ain't going anywhere. You learned an important um, lesson, here lesson about the, the nature of the universe. Yeah. 
Yeah. That little Galway supporter. Yeah. It's a cruel place. And things don't often go your way. Better to learn that early on, is what you're saying? Mm. Better. He's going to grow up a much more rounded human being. <laughs> rounded yeah. human being. Better not to live in, in false hope. Yeah. There was a lot of false hope coming up with me, Murph, on the train from Galway. I was, uh, at a, I was in, in the um, not unique uh, stag location of Galway City Centre. For hey guys, we're going to mix it up. Uh, we're going to go to Galway for this stag. I know we're going to find a couple gonna... of places off the beaten track. The yeah. Keys Bar, for yeah. example. Um, I know this beautiful little place. <laughs> yeah. So I was coming back up, 8.45am train. Yep. And confidence was high, but I... I found, as, found it as though the fans were almost convincing themselves they had a great chance. Yeah. As opposed yeah. to being totally convinced. But there wasn't the same, it was funny, there wasn't the same fatalism that a lot of supporters would have going yeah. up to face Kilkenny. They did, certainly outwardly, they thought they were going to win. But no, I'm not sure I, if they did. It wasn't did. fatalism for me. I was, I was kind of annoyed with myself for allowing myself to construct an argument and start believing that Gola could win the game. I, I, like, I knew. I, I tried to warn you off that in the podcast after the yeah, it was, Kenny semi final. What is it? It's cognitive dissonance. Is that it? Where you can think two things simultaneously? Um, is that it? No. Yeah. Well, kind of. Yeah. Um, it's it's not it's not so much that you can think two things simultaneously. It's that thinking the two things simultaneously causes a little bit of mental discomfort. So what you try and do is bend them so they fit a little bit. Okay. Well, there, was, there might have been a bit of that going on then, maybe. But basically, what I had in my head was that certainly Kilkenny will win this game. I mean, that's a guarantee. But also, God, it'd be good if Galway won this game. And God, I can make a few arguments. Along those lines. So it's, I, I know Kilkenny will win. Yeah. On the other hand, I want Galway to win. And also... So therefore, I will bring myself to believe that Galway can win. Mm. That's That was your mental process. Yeah, I... Doesn't sound very Slightly smart, thought. does it? Owen Kelly, luckily, does have smart thoughts on hurling, and he'll join us in studio shortly. We'll grab a word at one of Kilkenny's main men, Walter Walsh, score of two points and creator of the goal for TJ Reid, a goal which was scored in the midst of a really bad attacking display in the first half by Kilkenny in general. But I think it was maybe even that goal was a marker for how the Kilkenny forwards would up their intensity in the second half. Walter Walsh was on the wrong side of, I can't remember who the defender was. John Hanbury, yeah. John Hanbury, and managed to, it was a defensive lapse really, but Walsh managed to, muscle him out of the way and then played a very delicate little hand pass to TJ Reid. We might even find a bit more out about this Jackie Tyrrell halftime speech, mm. which sounds like the greatest piece of archery <laughs> this side of Winston Churchill, judging by how mm. the, the players have all referenced it without being prompted in pretty much every post-match interview I've heard. So we'll do all that. Uh, by the way, how did Johnny Cohn avoid a red card for that foul on Colin Fenley? no idea. I only bring this up because there was a lot of outrage after the semi-final when John Hambury had failed Seamus Callum mm. badly. When I say outrage, I mean non-hurling people and the type of people who are aggressive against hurling mm. as a sport were saying, this is an absolute disgrace. How is nobody talking about this foul? And I think partly it was because so much had happened in that game, in the semi-final this is, and also it was because the, uh, I think the reason people were annoyed that time was that the pundits weren't really talking about it. Mm. They just, ah, there wasn't a dirty stroke. This time, I haven't heard quite as much outrage, but I think that's because even everybody in the Sunday game was like, yeah, that should have been a red card. You know, it's, yeah. you should really, you nearly take the head off a guy with a <laughs> hurl to the neck. Yeah, it was, uh, you, should probably... you know, we're watching it, it's like, oh, he has to foul him here, you know? It's like, <laughs> yes, Johnny, you do have to foul him. You do not have to try and, you know, behead the lad. But, uh, oh, well. None of that in the football, though. No. Do you buy into this theory that the, there was a greater, there was almost a necessity for the two sets of players to go out and play this in a better spirit than they had the previous week and therefore they responded for the good of the game? Because that's sort of what's been propo- proposed in a lot of places. Mm, I don't, well, no, I don't, I don't know about that. Um, I think that they would, there would have been a uh, recognition there that 
the referee in charge, whoever it was going to be, uh, was going to clamp down extremely hard, particularly in the first 50 minutes, on any sign of wrongdoing. And then if you know if it kind of if there's no nasty element in the first 15 or 20 minutes of a game, you're kind of in the game. Then you know you've you've touched the ball seven or eight times probably. You know you're you're in it. You're you're part of the game. So at that stage, then to say right, okay, back to normal now. Let's get stuck into each other. It might seem a little weird. And both teams were kind of motoring along quite well. So I mean, I think that in fairness, I thought the referee had a pretty good game on yeah. on Saturday evening. Um, I don't know that. Either of the players would have taken much, you know, like if Mayo had decided not to take part in this pact, this goodwill pact uh, uh, that people are uh, positing. Uh, if Mayo hadn't uh, decided, no, that's not for us. Dublin wouldn't exactly have been long, uh, you know, going back to what we saw last sure. last Sunday. I, I would I would have thought. I will talk about all of that with Oshin and Mike Quirk is going to be on a little bit later on. Right now, Owen Kelly has joined us in the studio. Owen, how are you? Good now, lads, yeah. Another Kilkenny All-Ireland to celebrate. Yeah, it feels, feels like deja vu. Like, just uh, feels like 12 months ago again. But look, they just know how to win these games. It's yeah. amazing. Um, they know how to manage these games, their game management. Uh, it was interesting. I was, look, I was obviously a spectator yesterday. So sitting in the stands, just even to be around Galway supporters, to see, we'll say, how enthusiastic they were in the first half. Every challenge... Every tackle goal we were putting in, even the supporters were up. Like, and they were real. Their emotions were high, and I could see that with the players on the pitch, especially in the first half. And they had a colossal first half Galway. They really outworked Kilkenny all over the pitch. But when you think back on it, there now, you're probably saying they probably overemphasized their emotions. If 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 that's the expression I want to use, whereas Kilkenny just play at that one emotion, whether they're five points ahead or five points be head, uh, behind. It's the same emotion. Did they not lift that emotional level in the second half? Because it was uh, all the stories going on afterwards that Jackie Terrell, out injured, obviously, uh, gave this tub thumping speech, which sounds like the most Kilkenny ish thing of all time. In most counties, the injured players probably step back a little bit, but Jackie Terrell was the guy roaring them on. Did yeah, they not lift it in that way? Their intensity levels increase. Right. That's what, and they kind of have yeah. this thing where they hit you after half time. Like, I was just laid out a minute or two after half time, and they already had it down to two points. And the next thing, TJ Reid was just taken free, and it was down to a point. So that three point deficit was wiped out yeah. straight away. But their emotions, their body language, if they put in a hard tackle, if they get a good score, it's just job done. Similar to what Joe Smith uh, reportedly said to Simon Zebo when he scored the try, you don't celebrate it. Yeah. Post- Postman doesn't celebrate when he when he <laughs> delivers the letter. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it's like just Galway in the first half, they were, their emotions were so hyped up. You were saying to yourself, you know, can they keep these score? And I felt it around me in the stand as well. The supporters were just so hyped up, like, and. Uh, you know, it was Kilkenny just kept their emotions all the way through, and uh, they're they're stone faced in yeah. what they do. Um, when you look back at and, and, and say having met loads of people yesterday from loads of different counties, uh, from Galway obviously, but from Limerick, from Wexford, from Clare, all over, people kind of thought that last year that there was that there there is a chance here that with, with all the retirements, that was kind of the one thing that people thought that might stop Kilkenny was. If, if if everyone goes say in one year, if there's a if kind of a mass exodus in one year, that maybe there's a there's a chance there that there'll be a void. That when you look at what happened from say last year when Tipperary lost to to this morning, all that Kilkenny hurling has gone through, and even say in the last four or five weeks with all the injuries and everything, when you pile all of that together, is this Cody's probably greatest ever achievement as a as a manager? I would have said at the start of the year if Kilkenny win the All Ireland, I think it'll be amazing. And as you said, the six retirees, uh, Jackie Turrell, one of the 
top players of the, the generation and Richie Power, one of the top forwards who delivered the All-Ireland, in my opinion, for him last year in the yeah. semi-final and the All-Ireland final and the replay. And they weren't playing. And, like, you know what I mean? But I, I would admire Brian Cody is that he brought on Richie Power who has very little training done. And you read today in all the papers, a lot of their key men have very little players uh, training done. Yeah. But he knows those guys can deliver for him on the big day. And they done that, Jesse, for Michael Fenley was one. And, you know, even bringing on Richie Power was a big call. He has very little training done. But I think it definitely would be would sit as one of Brian Cody's massive victories. And if you think about it, his own driven motivation, he's the only guy now, Brian Cody, that has been involved in the eleven. Kenny yeah. All-Ireland titles he steps that one ahead of Henry so Brian Cody is up there on a pistol he's out on his own yeah. so I'm sure he has that little driving motivation too yeah. as a manager so I think it's probably one of his sweetest ones the, the weird thing I think is that like say from 2009 uh, and the winning of the four in a row kind of since then there's there's been a dropping off say in Kilkenny's stand in their, in their play but also you know people think right well you know it's it's whatever this team is, it's coming to an end, you know. But then Richie Hogan said on the Sunday game last night that himself and Larkin were the only two that had started the 2009 final mm. that were playing yeah. yesterday. And if you it, and and you think then about, say, Cody retiring from school teaching, like maybe last year it still had the, the vestiges of, oh, you know, it's kind of the end of the era, you know, like they're picking up a few irons towards the end of this. Like there is no end. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, the, like the, you know, the, the, all of the... All of the things that happened that could have happened to end Kilkenny's reign have happened, and they sit today as Ireland champions. Yeah, but like if you're playing at that intensity and you're playing in that confined space, which Kilkenny like to to, to really close in on, mm. it's very hard for another team to play like. So I think it's probably the system of play that they have week in, week out, day in, day out is what makes it very hard for other teams to play against. And we spoke about that. Um, team times, and that was there again. Yes, Galway didn't create any goal chances. They couldn't because they were squares so tight, and especially in that second half. So, their skill levels, clicking and their game management is super. Like you know, but you know, it was interesting comment. You mentioned Brian Cody. I see in the paper recently somebody said that he had retired from mm-hmm. the, mm. the teaching that he he might take the hurling seriously. Now, so <laughs> I think we can, we can all take a step back and I worry about. I finally yeah. put the, the hours yeah, in. Yeah, it's just. You know, I think he the, the kind of player he likes is that guy that just will get stuck in. You know, and I even see Ira Tanyan going at Jerry Aylward yesterday, just near the sideline, and you could see go, Cody yeah. going to Jerry Aylward. Do not take a step back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, he, he has that that aggression. I suppose that comes from... Oh, Larkin as well. Like, when you think about the prototype Cody forward, like, Owen Larkin. It's just his game. What he done? Yes, it was incredible. The man cut off a cast on Wednesday and probably got an injection Thursday and another injection Friday, and he had a colossal of a game. Yes, yeah. again, just you know, gets the ball, breaks the tackle, and he he lifts the team. Like, and he's he he's unseen work rate. I think um, needs to be needs to be mm. more, more spoken about more more because the front page of the Irish Times sports section this morning is him absolutely emptying Boric Man yeah. in, in a tackle and that's it, it and that's him you know that's yeah that's it like you know and even when I mentioned earlier on about their emotions we would say Michael Fenley hit a pint over the bar I think it was about 68 minutes maybe 59 seconds on the clock mm. and he just put the hurl up to, to in the air as if to say we have but it, 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 it still wasn't a, it wasn't a jump yeah. around that'll get mentioned in January yeah no doubt, that's you know. it yeah, but it just, just tells you that they're so focused and, you know, like, they just grinded out that result yesterday. And it, yeah, I think it's fair to say, you know, to being honest about these things, the, everybody who isn't from Kilkenny 
wants Galway to win. You want to see the team, no more than people want to see Mayo win in the football. You want to see something new and something different. But because uh, there's just a sense to be a bit more joy, there's a bit more spontaneity about the celebrations. That said, as Murph said, so many new players have come through over the last few years. I didn't realize there was only two. Start, I couldn't believe it when Richie yeah. said it. 2009. Yeah, but, so you've got a guy like, say, Jer Aylward, who plays really well on All Ireland final day, is picked on the team of the year in the Sunday game last night. Camera pans to the Kilkenny celebrations, and he's going crazy. And it's genuine. Like, there was a lot of messing, and there's always a bit of bit of crack at those things. But he was genuinely so pumped that Henry Sheffin had just named him on his team of the season. That there is actually a joy for some of those younger players, which um, I guess can be forgotten about a little bit. You just see Kilkenny as this big machine that rolls on, uh, as opposed to individuals who have their own stories. Yeah, teacher. And look, I was listening to Tommy Walsh uh, speak yesterday. And event, and he was just saying how, do you know, like you look at Joe Canning when he comes into the Galway setup as, as an 18, 19 year old, he's expected to set the world on fire. And Tommy was saying, like when Henry Shefflin came into the Kenny setup, DJ was the guy that was setting the world on fire. No pressure on Henry. Then DJ moved off. Henry took over that mantle. Mm. Then Richie Hogue and TJ Reid come in. So now Richie Hogue, Hogue and TJ Reid have the mantle of the leaders, mm. the marquee men. So Jerry Aylward and these guys now, they're going to fill those boots in the next season or two. Yeah. So this is how it rolls on and keeps going. Yeah. Like, and and it, funnily enough, it's it's not even it's not even so much the mantle. I mean, you're talking about Richie Hogan not making the Kilkenny team until he's 23 years old. Yeah. And like the guys just, you know, as we've seen over the last couple of years, like the best hurler in the country. And he had to wait, wait his turn. Like had a get, bad game against Offaly in the, at the start of the 2010 Leinster Championship and like right that's you gone for a year and a yeah. half that's you, know, you don't oh, see him again like, look, you know, it's Richie, Richie had the skill levels um, of an county hurler when he was 18 so you could have played him but what Cody wanted was this animal that will go into the tackle that will non-stop go into the tackle chase down the lost cause the 70-30 ball that he'll chase that down so I suppose that's why maybe Richie didn't get on Cody's team until he was 23 or 24 yeah. so that's what he looks for in the guy it's, it's the street fighter he looks for yeah. that can play ball because they have that but their skill levels are phenomenal and even if you look at the 72nd minute yesterday Park Mannion got a short puck out and he drilled it out to the wing to his goalie man but Rich or TJ Reid dispossessed it he just put the hurley out with the left hand and just scooped the ball in it was a magnificent piece of skill and that was in the 72nd minute when your tongue would be hanging out so you know look Galway added to a great first half there yesterday as well have no doubt about it, like you know, and it was, it was, it was great to see it from the stand, the emotions of Galway. But there was some ser- uh, Jason Flynn on, on underneath the Hogan stand got a super point. He yeah. just brought it down with the best hurl. point of the year. Probably, oh, it was I'd an say. unbelievable yeah. score. Joe Canning was just on his game, you know. So you were really saying, Galway were playing well, but the thing at halftime was fourteen points to one eight. Just chatting at halftime, you were there. What could Kenny players have played? Anyway, good. Anyway, six, seven out of ten. Mm. You couldn't name maybe one. So that's why you were saying they're going to hit some form, and they did in the in the second half and reeled reeled it off with the scores over the bar. You've mentioned the, the word emotion a few times with regards to Galway, the supporters and the fans. I suppose the, the fans can go as crazy as, as they want, but also, but the players also. Uh, was it a sense quite early in the second half? Obviously, they were getting there was a higher work rate from the Kilkenny forwards, so they were struggling to clear the ball. But it struck me that there was barely a pass out of defence in the entire second half that was accurate you know even, yeah. the, even the ones that were caught they were suddenly the balls that had been 60-40s in favour of the forwards turned into 40-60s or best 50-50s uh, it was all a little bit rushed it was all a little bit hurried and it, lo- it looked quite inevitable what, is that what you mean by maybe the emotion still being there but the, the calmness under pressure not the calmness under pressure I think you see you have to hurl in a clear uh, state of mind and I even know that myself in playing even sometimes when you come off the bench and you want to do really well and you're, you're a small bit too g up mm-hmm. you don't perform 
you know, you have to be so cool, calm and collected when you hurl. And I thought Kilkenny had that, especially in the second half, but they upped their intensity levels. So they're able to up their intensity levels and it doesn't affect their focus. Like, And I suppose with them upping their intensity levels, they were on the Galway's uh, defenders' backs and hooking and blocking them and it didn't allow them to get proper ball in. But, you know, you just felt the, the confidence draining out of Galway as the second half went, went on. And I suppose Joe maybe uh, been unlucky with that free 50 yards out. He probably shouldn't have taken it. He got a big hit before that. And he probably should have maybe left. Similar to uh, Seamus Callan. Yeah. And week, look, these yeah. are small little things because I see TJ Reid came out to take a, a free 100 yards near from the goal and Cody was out saying, get back in there. He wanted Owen Murphy to hit it. So, you know, small little things like that can be, be, be massive at the end. All right, I'll just hold you there because we are now, I'm delighted to say, joined by one of Kilkenny's star, another All-Ireland for Walter Walsh. Walter, congratulations. Um, how was last night, first of all? Yeah, last night it was, um, it was very enjoyable, I suppose, for one. Um, I suppose it's only, it's only sinking in right now that we're, we're winning another All-Ireland. And uh, I suppose it's only now when you actually kind of reflect and, and realise um, how, how brilliant it was yesterday. So it's, it's, only, it's only really sinking in now, to be honest. Yeah, we hadn't uh, quite understood maybe the extent of some of the injuries until watching the Sunday game last night. Obviously, Jackie Tyrrell was out and we'd heard about the likes of Richie Power trying to come back into it, Owen Larkin's thumb. I hadn't realised Richie Hogan had pulled his quad muscle a couple of weeks ago. So it seems like there was quite a few walking wounded out there for you. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, Richie Hogan, that was that was kept very quiet. Um, I suppose Richie put in a, a lot of work to get himself right. And um, he did a brilliant game again yesterday. It just shows what, what a great player he is. And... Um, there was a lot, a lot. I suppose that was kept quiet. Everyone, I suppose, um, knew about Jackie's injury. And um, I suppose if you think about it, Jackie, just the character that he was, like he didn't, he didn't mind his own injury. He was just, I suppose, at halftime he put, said what needed to be said, and it was, it was, it was brilliant. It just shows what, what a great character Jackie is, and just shows how it's not all about, I suppose, playing. It's just about we're all, we're all a team, and. I suppose Jackie showed that yesterday. Every single player has mentioned this Jackie Tyrrell speech. Well, it sounds like a full-on Braveheart job. What exactly did he say? <laughs> I actually can't remember the full extent of it now. I wouldn't even try and repeat it. Though. I wouldn't do it justice. <laughs> but um, no, no. He, he, I suppose he just kind of he said what needed, what everyone needed to hear. We just weren't, we weren't doing it. We weren't working hard, and we were kind of being bullied around the field. And Jackie said just a few things. I can't pinpoint what exactly he said, but it just. Personally, it clicked with me, and it was just it was just what I needed to hear at the time as well. Just, we just needed to, we, everyone all around the field, we just needed to upper perform. We've been talking about the the fact that so few players remain. It was mentioned by Richie Hogan last night that only two players that started in 2009 in his first Ireland final actually started again yesterday. So a lot of new guys, such as yourself, have come into this team. Have you got to the point now where... You're, you feel you have to start leading things when you're out there. Uh, we all remember you being sprung in the All-Ireland Final a few years back, but has your role in that changed? No, I think there's nothing much changes, I suppose. For me personally, I just kind of try to go out and work hard for the team. That's that's what our, our whole team and everything is built on. It's just trying our work rate. And if, if our work rate is right, and I suppose then a player tend to lead as as a, as example then, but it, it all comes down to work rate and just... Just doing your bit from the team, I wouldn't think that anything's any different from now than three years ago. I suppose I, I would ex- expect more to see my name on the team sheet a bit more these times but, than I did, I suppose, three years ago um, for that All-Ireland final. But um, I don't think anything else changes. You just go out and try and do your best for the team and, and that's, that's what most of us try to do. Obviously, you have 
likes of I suppose Richie Hogan has really stepped up as a leader, TJ, these lads, but uh, I think they're the same mentality. They just try to go out and just do their bit for the team and um, hopefully it works out after that. Uh, it sounds like TJ Reid is going to be picking up quite a few awards and gongs over the, the next uh, couple of months. He might have a busy winter of it. I hope he takes time out of uh, out of his hectic schedule of award winning to thank you for the, his goal that he got yesterday because he wouldn't have got it without you. Uh, talk us through the exact, uh, the, the exact play that led up to the goal there. Yeah, um, I suppose I was, I was letting TJ know about that there yesterday. Evening. Good man. Yeah, yeah, that's the way to do it. <laughs> I told him fairly quickly. But um, no, t- um, I suppose that goal, what happened? I think Richie Hogan got a shot blocked. Okay, it was a good block on um, Richie Hogan. And then the ball just seemed to fall between me and uh, my marker. And I just flicked it away from him. And I suppose I was lucky to have TJ there because I, I, t- I think I was being bottled up. And um, oh, TJ is an excellent finisher. And he's, he's had a serious year. He's um, He's been brilliant. And he he wasn't going to miss from there. Uh, do, do you take on board anything that's being said outside the camp, Walter? I know the the stock answer is of course no, but I, I ask you because the, I saw I think it was Paul Murphy saying last night that he did feel that the team had a point to prove because at the start of the year a lot of uh, pundits were talking about the shake up and not that many were going for Kilkenny to win the All Ireland probably because of the retirements. Um, is that is that the source of inspiration? Because we're all trying to get to what exactly it is that motivates you guys year on year. Can you still convince yourselves that you're being written off? Yeah, definitely. I suppose the start of the year we, we were written off. We were we were fighting for our lives in a relegation final in the in the league. So I suppose you have to be realistic about it as well. We 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 weren't, I suppose, considered contenders for um, the All Ireland. But we knew we knew deep down we put in a lot of training, and we I suppose we kind of have that confidence knowing that um, we we'll be there in the shake up come come September. And I suppose thankfully we were. Um, I suppose yeah. There's, I suppose the leading, the, the leader. I suppose is Brian Cody. He, his his hunger and desire to win is is just incredible. And I think that's where a lot of it stems from. It's just his, um, I suppose his hunger, his 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 attitude, and what he expects of us is just just we we all have so much respect for him. All right. Well, you're uh, you get back to Kilkenny this evening. What's the plan? Yeah. There's um. There's I, I think there's going to be a homecoming um in Kilkenny in, in Nolan Park again. So. We'll all head back. Um, the bus, and I think it departs at maybe 4 or 5 o'clock. I'm not 100% sure yet, but um, I'll be on the bus anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully, yeah, with everyone else. Hopefully, there'll be no stragglers yeah. left behind. Exactly. Yeah. Brilliant. Exactly. Listen, Walter, congratulations, and thanks so much for taking the call. Uh, enjoy the celebrations. Thanks very much. Thank you. Yeah, Walter, in great form there. Owen, as you, you would expect him to be. Uh, it does seem that during the year, the Kilkenny hurlers obviously say that they don't take account of what other uh, what anyone else outside the camp is saying but it's clear that they do because I remember speaking to Jackie Tyrrell this time last year and he was saying look I was compared to a traffic bollard at one stage <laughs> in my defending <laughs> that was they, a January <laughs> like, you know, yeah, yeah. They, they do hear yeah. these things and it clearly maybe the lesson here is for pundits no matter what happens to, to just, just, poke the bear. just don't poke the bear yeah, yeah. yeah to, to Walter uh, he, I'm not sure is he's still a housemate of Noel McGrath so I hope he won't be leading Noel as <laughs> but they, they were before anyway in UCD and that but look um, look, players do uh, listen to the media, do read papers. If something negative is said about them, they know it fairly quickly that it's said about them because one of your mates will let you know fairly quickly and he, he'll get a, a kick out of it. So you do hear what goes on, but I think deep down the Kilkenny players know that they're going to be in the shake-up. They have the confidence in Leinster, having beaten the teams in Leinster so many times that they know they're going to be there come August, uh, definitely in August in the semi-final. And you've heard... You've heard them before how big an honour in semi-final is for them 
and they nearly have that a bigger game than a final at this stage because I think when they get to the final, the routine and the build-up and all that hype that comes with it, that just comes natural to them now at this stage. And I think once you get there year in, year out, it, 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 it doesn't become an issue. And uh, Kilkenny just are able to play, and I think that's what they got out of themselves uh, in the second half yesterday. And if you look at Walter yesterday, he delivered two points, was very um, energetic uh, for that goal at the start, put himself about, Owen Larkin chipped in with two points, Colin Fenley two points as well. They didn't score maybe uh, in the semi-final against Waterford, so you know they delivered delivered good performances for for Brian Cody yesterday. You've been on that side of it. You've done all the homecomings. You've also been on the losing side. How tough is it for Galway now? Not not just absorbing the defeat, but having to go through all the, the pleasantries rig- afterwards. Yeah, there's yeah. a rigmarole for the losers as well as for the winners, is, which yeah. includes you know the banquet. Uh, you know, on the Sunday night, like the Sunday game, used to actually go to the losers' <laughs> banquet. Team banquet. You know, I, I, I think actually my my uncle, uh, Jim Carrey, had the job for like four or five years of going to the losers' banquet <laughs> oh, every no. year. And he just described it as like the worst job in Germany. He had to ask like, himself all these ethical questions <laughs> yeah, before going. God, Should I really be here? Torture. He was like, probably mentioned in the team speech beforehand. Yeah. <laughs> I said, we don't want to see this guy. <laughs> yeah. We don't want to see this guy later on. He's like the but, grim reaper. Yeah. Yeah. Look. With financial backing and what goes into preparing inter-county squads now, um, you know, you're going to have these corporate events, more or less, is what they mm. are now, after matches. And, you know, look, they're horrible to be involved in when you lose. And, yeah, you don't, players just go through it. That's what they do. But, you know, you, you wake up then on the Monday morning and you're facing a homecoming back home. And that's that's a horrible day's feeling too, travelling back on the bus and all that. But... Uh, no, basically you're doing it for, for I suppose, the kids and the supporters that have um, been there for you throughout the season. And in fairness to the GA players, um, they put the head down and they get through these uh, these homecomings and that, especially the the loser side. So, you know, the Galway guys will sign autographs and stand for photographs. You know, they're they're, they're a mature bunch, like, but it's 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 heartbreaking being there. And you know, it's probably like the you know, is it like the Wednesday or the Thursday? When it's real, you know, you actually just wake up and life goes on and you have to just deal with it. Is, yeah. is that, in a way, the most heartbreaking part of the whole I'd thing? Say, look, and even winning or losing, probably the best part of the week is they'll meet up on the Tuesday there and they'll be together. And that's when they're actually all probably together. Yeah. And we'll say they have no one kind of hanging on. And then they'll talk about things and they'll probably discuss the match in a small bit and next year and this and that. And that's when it'll really hit them and really hurt them. And then they'll be talking about the guys they've met the previous day or two. You'll be back next year. Next year you can get them. Kilkenny are on the wing. That's what you're yeah, going to hear. Yeah, yeah. You know, and it's it's a long road back. I even taught at the Galway guys this morning now, especially I've taught at Joe Canning because, you know, the man deserves an All-Ireland medal like he has all other accolades, you know, and uh, it's a tough road back, you know, but it just shows in, in this sport, in this hurling uh, football, no one deserves anything. You have to go and fight for it and, and that's what Kilkenny done, especially in the second half. Oh, great stuff today and throughout the summer. Thanks a million for, for Cheers, uh, all guys. your help. Thank you. Well, that's the question that's going to be asked, answered tonight. Tonight. So now, come here tonight. Tonight. Into Wexford Park, and they just must produce the goods tonight. Tonight. Their team is better set up tonight. Tonight. But they just, the bottom line is, Michael, they have to do tonight. Tonight. No, I think Hawk have made a massive boo boo with our matchups. Massive boo boo. Tonight. 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 Ah, poor Jim Carney there, Murph, making a su- surprise appearance as the Grim Reaper in All Ireland Finals Pass, but we'll, we'll move yeah. on. <laughs> yeah, no, I, he did. He, he said that to me, I think it was because he had, had to go to quite a few Galway ones of these, and it was like, 
you know, I'm depressed, they're depressed. Lads Everyone's he depressed. would have had a relationship with, obviously. Yeah, yeah, yeah as well. that's good. That halftime speech by Jackie Terrell, but if I'm obsessed by it, Walter says he was personally affected by it, mm. even though he can't remember anything that was said. <laughs> Uh, I think maybe I they mean, don't want to reveal, they don't want to reveal every word that goes on. Or alternatively, maybe it was just kind of the impression. You know, the oratory isn't all what's said. You know, Mussolini would stand there with his, you know, hands on his hips, uh, groin thrusted to the masses uh, ranked below him, and he looked he looked imposing. You know, I my Italian isn't that great, but when I watch Mussolini speaking, like this guy. This guy really believes you what he's talking definite about. Twin so, yeah. Jackie yeah. Tyrrell is the Mussolini of Irish sport? Uh, that's one way of reporting it. I, mean, <laughs> I don't know that Jackie would agree entirely with every tenet of... Well, you, you know, you can... Um, and illegally, we'll have to, of course, distance ourselves <laughs> from the comments just made. You, you, I mean, a lot of it is, I suppose, the emotion that you can hear in the voice. You know, the words aren't important. The sound mm. is almost the most important thing. I mean, for example, Owen, I was... Uh, I heard... Uh, Croke Park, mm. give vent to a howl of outrage. Well, I knew it was a howl of outrage. I thought, I was I was standing some distance from Croke Park. I heard this uh, roar. It was the Dublin, during the Dublin Mayo match. Mm. Uh, but it didn't sound like, it was loud, but it wasn't a goal. I mm. knew it wasn't a goal. I could, I could tell there was a howl of outrage. I ran and I saw the television and it showed a black card. So I made a shameful Shame black, a, a shameful black card. And I thought, okay, there, there you go. Uh, I don't need to. I mean, I don't even need to watch this. Yeah, he knows. But I told you, you just follow the whole thing just by listening to the crowd. I told you this uh, only a couple of weeks ago when you scoffed at the idea. I said that you can tell whether it's a goal, whether it's a point, black card. You can tell nearly everything down to the left-footed point, right-footed point, just by the noise of the crowd. You absolutely can. You absolutely can. So when a Jude's man gets a goal, when a non-Jude's man, there is there is a Kevin McMenamin shout when the Jude's man gets the goal. He's done it again. That's when the roof comes off. A sort of a happy, everybody knows that it was coming, yeah. you know? So it's kind of, it's like, uh, it's like when, you know, you're, everyone's waiting at a surprise party and then the, the guest of honor finally walks in and yeah. that big cheer, it's a bit like that. Everyone knew it was about to happen, but it's a big cheer and everyone puts it into it. You know, Jude's obviously marching on to all Ireland glory. Irish Times Second Captain's football podcast is out now. Get it quick. That's, yeah, they have asked for that, really. Well, you can laugh. I want to walk up. I'm a little bit of an idealist, but having said that, I want to be like me. But you don't know what you're talking about. What did you want? I managed to stay alive for six days. I'm going to need it there. I'd say it to your face, not say it to you now. I will go to Anfield and we'll see them, won't we? What you doing down here, you surely man? <laughs> Big weekend on of international football, it was. Um, we had Ireland's uh, hopes of qualifying for the Euros resurrected, thanks to Georgia, thanks to Scotland losing in Georgia. Uh, Ireland and doing a business against Gibraltar. Uh, so we'll talk a little bit about that. What happened with the Scots who made a right mess of their uh, trip to Georgia in, in almost every respect. And also uh, what was happening in Group A where Holland are now uh, clinging on uh, by the by their fingernails yeah, to Simon the hopes Cooper, of being third. Simon Cooper had a lot of interesting a lot of interesting things to say about that. So do have a listen. If you get a chance right now, we're going to talk. Well, Mike Quirk's going to join us very shortly. Ushi McConville has landed himself beside us here. Ushi, how's the form? Owen, how's the form? Ah, pretty good. Now, very uh, entertaining replay. Very different spirit. We've been talking about this already, this idea that maybe 
the players themselves and the management would have been fully aware of the fallout from the last one and took appropriate action that they wanted to showcase the best side of the game? Is that naive, romantic nonsense or is there an element of truth? That's absolutely naive, romantic nonsense. Uh, And I don't want to hear that again. (laughs) (laughs) But why was it so different though? It was all lovely football, great scores. Not the same nasty undercurrent. uh, Yeah, it was. And I think the players were on edge because they didn't know how the referee was going to referee the game. I think that was the first thing. Um, But I have to say on the quality of the first 20 minutes... Uh, accuracy-wise, scoring-wise. I know there wasn't the same intensity in the game, but it was special. Like, I mean, uh, Brogan, I think, kicked the, for, the, the first score. Uh, Paddy Andrews kicked a couple of scores. Killian O'Connor, Damer O'Connor. Poo. It was like, it was like, it, it was com- a complete quality from uh, from both teams for the first half, but there was a lot of, there was a lot of shadow boxing going on. And at halftime, I was oblivious to what was going to happen in the second half. I really didn't have a clue what was going to happen in the second half because I don't think we found anything out. I think both teams sort of let each other play for for long periods of the the first half and and we didn't really learn a lot from that, but the second half was completely different. I enjoyed the game on its merits compared to last week, except for I would have liked to see a wee bit more bite in it. I know we're never happy, but I just would like to see a little bit more bite in it. I think... As a result of that, Mayo probably suffered because they let the Dubs sort of play for the last 20 minutes. Yeah, and I, I actually feel exactly the same way about it in that I know that a lot of the a lot of the, uh, the football played in the first 20 or 25 minutes was special. Really, really top yeah. class. Um, but it was something actually that struck me, and it was your uh, county mate, Kieran McGinney, who I was speaking to him before about what we... Uh, take as a brilliant football game or you know the name a really skillful footballer and the only time you ever the only name you'll ever be given in that situation is the name of a forward so basically the only thing that people go mad about that you can have the worst game in the world if there are no wides in it then it's a really good game you know Uh, and I I just kind of feel like that the game was very very good and we should also acknowledge what was missing from it which was that manic intensity that yeah. I probably got a bit of stick last week for saying that it was such a good game for. But you, you, you I think you need both. I, I, to have both would be amazing. To have either, I think you have a really, really good game of football on your hands. And I, I, I just kind of think that in light of what I felt was so enjoyable about the the, repl- the drawn game, it would be weird to come on and say that <laughs> in the complete absence of that, this was a better game, yeah. if you know what I mean. But actually, I really enjoyed the game as well. And... I think what uh, what has become really really clear is that if you're a really t- if you're a really top class inside forward, what you actually need to do is practice kicking points that you would previously have been given out to for even attempting. So you know these Paddy Andrews points that you know you're yeah. kicking, kicking them from five yards from the sideline. I mean, the, um, but unfortunately, that's where you get the space. That's where you get yeah. the the ball in your hands and a clear look at the goal. So that's what you actually have to practice. So like. That level of accuracy from both teams as well, in fairness, that level of accuracy, is, you mean, you have to hold your hands up and say that's just exceptional uh, football ability there. Yeah, and the best forwards can manoeuvre two yards of space and that's all they need. Um, and one thing I give out about, about, well, not really give out, but one thing I question, I suppose, about Dublin um, going through Leinster is the fact that, you know, people were talking about, well, Bernard Brogan has hit 5-16 in the championship and 
didn't mean anything to me because like he was under very very little pressure and the other thing too is when you look at the amount of uh, the ratio of the scores converted to the amount of chances I had probably wasn't that significant or it's not something that you go wow I mean it was actually quite poor you know but at the weekend I have to say and I have to single out Bernard Brogan for all the time I've watched Bernard Brogan it's been about Bernard Brogan at the weekend it wasn't it's like something clicked with him in the last six days and he, I don't know whether he became a leader or uh, he he just woke up and he was in that sort of frame of mind I mean mentally you can go into some games physically you get into games maybe similar mentally you get into a game and you're thinking you know I want to kick 1-7 today it didn't seem to me as if he went into to the game wanting to do that he was just going to walk as hard as he could because he accepted that when you're when you're marked like that, or when you're single out like that, the marquee forward or whatever it is, when you're single out like that, I, I was told a long time ago, if you're single out like that, then just walk as hard as you can, and it's amazing the things can happen. And I have to say, for Bernard Brogan, that was the best I've ever seen Bernard Brogan. That's the most influence I've ever seen Bernard Brogan have on a game, in every way, shape and form. The movement of the Dublin forwards was an absolute joy to behold. And the very fact that the previous week they were very rigid. Okay, Dean Rock had to play a corner forward. Bernard, Brock had, or Bernard Brogan had to play in the in the full forward lane. If not full forward, then at number 15. Uh, you know, Kilkenny uh, you know, had to play at centre-half forward. Didn't matter the other day. They moved, and that's really what caused mayor problems. The, the movement of them was absolutely superb, and yeah. you had to be there to actually witness it. It was, it was, it was, it was top class. I'm really interested. You're so full of praise for that broken performance because, as you say, we've, we've seen games yeah. where he's kicked one eight, one nine, or whatever, and he's yeah. he still got his scores. Funny that there was one moment in the first half where he won some dirty ball. There was a, a pot shot written all over it. There was a chance yeah. to try it with his left. He slipped one to it was either Kilkenny or probably Paddy Andrews in a better position. Yeah. Paddy Andrews knocked it over. Very simple. Now, in fairness, I think Bernard's been working towards that over the last yeah. few years. I think he has. The early Bernard Brogan was very much, in fairness, he got Footballer of the Year out of it, yeah. but it was very much centred around well, what he was going to do scoring-wise every game. Whereas I think that has changed in the last few years. Absolutely. But I think as a forward, you need that certain element of being selfish. I mean... You're not going to become a top class forward unless you, you you know you know when you have to go for the juggler and when not. But I just thought the maturity of his performance the other day was 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 brilliant. I know Paddy Andrews taking a lot of plaudits and filling my hand, but that is the best that I have ever seen uh, Bernard Brogan. Mike Quirk's been listening to this. Mike, I'm sure you're delighted to hear Bernard and the rest of the Dublin team being talked up so much. Absolutely unbeatable, unbeatable. <laughs> <laughs> what did nah, you think? They were they were they were hugely impressive. I mean. I just, I, I, you know, that first, you know, I seem talking about the first 50, that first 35 or 37 minutes, whatever it went with injury time, was the fastest half of football in terms of, of the pace and the tempo that Dublin played at that I've ever, that I've ever seen. And the same with Mayo. I mean, the ball, the ball wasn't kicked towards the goals and Cluxton was running out with the ball on top of the tee to restart it straight away. I'd say it was about four, five, six seconds. The ball was gone and it was back in place straight away. It was... It was it was breathless stuff to watch it. I you know you, you like the, the fitness level and the tempo that Dublin kept pushing, kept playing the game. I thought I thought like it really. I, I thought it was one of the reasons that Mayo kind of blew up in the last ten minutes because there was you know it was just amazing how much Dublin backed their fitness and backed their their aerobic just running and the hard hard running they were all doing from the full back line from the half back line. 
it was it was frightening the fitness and the and the pace that they played the game at. But I just thought Mayo and and, and their management team. I, I thought they were just completely, you know, it was like everybody gave out to them last week because they were too defensive and they were too nasty. And this week they kind of went, you look, you know what? Now we'll be fierce, nice today. We play everybody one on one, and we'll give Brogan and Andrews and all these guys one on one opportunities to be in star. And I thought they were just incredibly naive the way they set up their team, the way they let Dublin get their kick out, the way they had no link man in the half forward line for a second day in a row and lamping ball unwinnable ball like 90 yards straight as a die at Aidan O'Shea coming at him like a bullet expecting him to you know I don't know what they expected him to do with the ball you know I, I just thought from, from Mayo's point of view they were in the game with 15 minutes to go they were up 4 points 3 points to go and I just thought they, they were doing it in spite of, uh, of their setup and in spite of the way that they had been managed or coached coming into the game I thought it was incredibly naive the way they set up you know Yeah there was some questionable calls and you would have to question that but I still go back to the 43rd minute though when, when Lee Keegan went up the field kicked the ball into, yeah. the, into the keeper's hands Dublin come down the field. I think they get a score off that, but but Mayo were able to go back and get a, get another score. But there was a period of about six or seven minutes where there was no actual score, and Mayo continuously give the ball away. They got so far to the forty-five, and I I, I don't care what anybody says because I was part of a team like this on that uh, mentally you can't kick on. Mentally you're four points up and you're trying to hold the lead and you can't kick on. We played. Kerry in 2000 well Mike if you were playing or not but uh, probably not younger than that but (laughs) (laughs) in 2000 we were going in at half time five points up okay now we had one more chance and instead of going for it we we started to frig about with the ball around around the middle of the field 45 yards out instead of going for it because we had I thought we had Kerry on the rack at that time Kerry robbed the ball of us and went up and kicked the score. Four points in it then, like going in at half time. Come out the second half and eventually beat us after X time. But that was indicative of us as a team at that time and our failure to be able to get across the lane. And as soon as, as, as that Lee Keegan incident happened, I thought, no, Mayo need a score now. And instead of that, Dublin get the score. But as soon as the goal went in, I mean, it was completely, totally... The game was over. The game was over because... And I'm not talking about body language or anything else. I just... You could just see that Mayo, really, at that stage, didn't have a, didn't have a clue what was going on. We talked, we've talked for the last two, two weeks and previously last year about the helter-skelter that goes on on a sideline when the team's in bother. And there was no helter-skelter... On the Mayo sideline the other day, but literally they had played all the aces that they that they had at that stage, and and they were they were oblivious as to as to what they were going to do. But Parsons got robbed, Lee Keegan got robbed, Keith Higgins gave the ball away, Lee Keegan gave the ball away then again, and there was like five incidents around that stage where all they had to do was at least try and put the ball into an area where they were going to hold on to it, give it to Andy Moore in the corner, let it walk walk. If you watch Dublin, how they change the point of attack continuously. When Mayo were getting bodies back, they just they recycle it. They change the angle of attack, and eventually they get one runner off the shoulder. He gets he gets in and gets gets a score. But the 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 great thing about Dublin the other day, though, I'm going to continue to talk about. But the great thing about Dublin the other day was they were able to pick them runners up. Mayo weren't. Mayo didn't have the skill set to pick those runners up. So when Parsons made a run forward. Nobody was playing heads up football, getting him onto the ball in a in a difficult area, and that's essentially why 
I think Mayo fell on the sword. Michal, Ushin has already referenced the Lee Keegan shot there, and it was weird. <clears> like, say, after the hurling yesterday, I met a few Mayo people, and that's what they were talking about as well. God, you know, if that one moment, this one small, tiny moment in a 70-minute game where there's been a decisive result in favour of the other team, that, you know, the losing team can pinpoint that exact moment. You know, Keegan drops the ball into the goalkeeper's hand. Cyril Donnellan's free isn't, the, isn't given at the start of the second half. Like, sport can't be that simple, that momentum plays that big a role, surely, where, you know, one tiny little moment changes completely what follows for the next 30 minutes. I mean, it, it, is that just kind of losing fans trying to pinpoint the one moment where the game goes, goes astray? I in the stadium Saturday that that, 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 was, a, that, that was a pivotal, pivotal moment, yeah. that, that, that Keegan, Keegan had a fantastic opportunity to put him up five. And, you know, if they had gone up five, maybe it would have been Dublin that, that would have dropped their heads a little bit. But it just felt like right there when it dropped into Cluxon's hands, it felt like a huge momentum shifter. And, you know, I know like John Evans, John Evans that, that managed Roscommon last year, yeah, he, he trained us in, in the club below for a couple of years and he had a great saying, probably probably not right for this time of the day, uh, if my auntie had ball, she'd be my uncle. And, you know, you can call about these, if, if it went over the bar, they would have got up five, maybe they won the game, maybe they wouldn't. But it was just felt, you know, even the Mayo people in the stands, everything, it just felt like... You know, this this sucked energy out of him. It, it it just took a bit of life out of him, and and you know, Dublin went down in straight away, and and um, and McCarthy James McCarthy got the got the got the point to, to cut it back again, and I I just felt that it was a really really huge moment, and you could see you know again then when Dublin got the goal, it was just you know she was talking about it. it was like a body blow, it just the heads dropped, and they looked like there was just no energy, you know, and like go, going back to the, the point I was making about the sideline. I mean, Philly Philly McMahon was, you know, when they brought out Aidan Shea because of Shamey's black card and, and they talk, taking off Barrymore and the Parsons, like, it was obvious that Philly McMahon was just bombing up the field and Aidan Shea looked like he was running in glue. He, he couldn't, you know, stay with him. And it was it was a crazy, crazy call to leave that happen for the last 15 or 20 minutes of the game, however long he was there, because Philly McMahon got 1-2 but he he could have got he could have got one three or one four yesterday. He was he was he was clear inside in the Dublin uh, you know the Mayo forty five several times with guys that hadn't picked him up. And I really do think that the pace and that the tempo that Dublin played the game, especially in the first half, I think it took so much juice out of out of Mayo's legs that they really were struggling in the in that last quarter for for just energy and and in win things like Keegan dropping that ball short. That just that just you know brings you down a little bit again and sucks more life out of you and I really do think that fitness had a had a massive part in that game yesterday. They really their big guys looked like they were struggling, which is interesting because Mayo are supposed to be as well conditioned as any other team in the in the country. This is something that they pride themselves on, Oshin. Yeah, and I think the worst what thought a few individuals, you know, seem to be hurting maybe from last week or sore or like I mean Aidan O'Shea wasn't in the game at all, uh, but I just think that four points up. Uh, Mayo looked really uncomfortable. <laughs> it's hard to believe. It, you know, I think four points up, maybe with two minutes to go. I think they'll hold mm. out just about. Uh, you know, you guys watch a lot of golf, but Butch Harmon, as I say, and every time Jordan Speed puts the ball on the green, Butch Harmon will say, "This is right in his wheelhouse." And I was thinking, what I'd love to know because you guys are international TV celebrities now, so you might be able, <laughs> you might be able, to, you might be able to ask him, but. I'd love to know what the opposite of that phrase is because that's where Mayo were at at that time. They looked so uncomfortable. And even, you know, go back to the Lee Keegan incident, 
everything that was happening in and around that period, I mean, that's one incident, but in and around that period just made you feel uncomfortable almost in your own skin if you were there because uh, you just knew what was coming down the track for them because you can't hold it, and you can't hold a four-point lead for for 20 minutes. Uh, a big return from Dublin substitutes as well, which probably all those factors you're talking about were exploited quite ruthlessly yeah. in the end. It's something that Dublin didn't show last week and last year against Donegal, Jim Gavin rightly criticised for being a bit slow on the line maybe, but this time, even the timing of the substitutes, Seamus O'Shea comes off, the logical thing to do is bring McCauley in there, he's going to have a point to prove and it's going to open up in midfield. Yeah. So he does that. You might as well do the obvious thing. If you have these guys, McMenamin, like and Brogan, Fitzsimons, bring them on with time to make an impact. Yeah, I think Fitzsimons did really well in place of Cooper and I think the thing about Shami O'Shea going on is that, or coming off is that uh, Mayo no longer have that serious aerial presence in so much so that Michael Darren McCauley caught the first ball over his head in, in, in a number of years. Uh, but Alan Brogan comes on, he's a cool head, you know, he, he's able to hold on to the ball, he sees passes, he's not panicking, he's going he's gonna to do the right thing. Um, John Small, again, who I'd be a fan of, come on, does well. So yeah, they used up, they used up bench really well, but still on. You're focusing a lot more on the Mayo I, I, side I, of things now, aren't you? I, I, I am focusing a lot more on the Mayo side Sympathy, of things. Sympathy, would you feel sorry for those players as individuals? See Keith Higgins taking a big I long do, look I around. Do, I, do feel, I do feel sorry for them, but I do think that there's something inherently wrong there that and again I'm not judging them I'm not taking the high moral ground because I played on a team like that Owen uh, you know people ask me about my career with Armagh and and, the, and one thing I would have said was when I first joined Armagh oh fuck we had some we ah it was, it was unbelievable every Thursday night we stopped for a few pints on the way home from training we had some fun like you know what I mean but and everybody loved us but we couldn't win a match but uh, something inherently was wrong in that dressing room that we couldn't get over the lane in but big that's, games. That, that to me seems like an obvious fix for that is stop going boozing after training and Thursday. Do, do, do you know what I mean? Whereas with Mayo, they are already very professional. So yeah. what can they actually change? Well, I, I think that that's the the heartbreak. I mean, I think that what what in, what is inherently wrong with Mayo, to my eyes, is that they've been the second best team in the country a lot over the last sixty four years. Now that's a really good place to be or a really horrible place to be depending on your outlook but I, 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 I would say that this was one perhaps that was lost on the line more so than on the, the field because I mean I was I I, the management I, I mean James Horn was blamed last year for not being quick enough on the line now these guys are getting blamed I mean I'm inclined to think that to if, if, if Dublin hit those 10 points that we saw in the first half that there has to be a few tackles going in and yeah. there the has to be players is, back there to actually make those tackles. I mean, this idea that a forward is standing uh, alone in the corner forward position with a corner with a corner back to beat—that was, you know, that was twenty years ago. I think, right? I think Shamus uh, O'Shea gets black carded, right? And they bring Andy Moore on. I'm thinking that's a positive. That's a positive replacement because, you know. If Mayo go on and win this game, it'll be because Andy Moran come on, got his hands in the ball, kicked a few scores. If we're sitting here today and we're saying, you know, Mayo, win, wow, what a positive substitution that was, you know. And and in fairness, at the time, I didn't see that much wrong with it. So it'd be unfair for me to sit here and say, you know, that they got it completely wrong in the sideline. Seamus O'Shea, the Seamus O'Shea thing was very, very stupid, and it, it did cost him. Seamus O'Shea was having a lot better game this week than he was last week. Um, Parsons wasn't there to the same degree uh, Barry Moran didn't have a brilliant game 
Patrick Dorkin is somebody who probably should have started. I think that's probably one of the biggest things because it didn't have the same energy levels, I didn't think, as, as last week. The ball into Aidan O'Shea wasn't working. That wasn't Aidan O'Shea's problem. That was the ball that was going in, and that's happened two weeks in a row. You Mike, know, so. yeah. Mike, what do you think? I, who, who would you I attach more blame to, management or players? I mean, it's it's obviously very, it's very easy for us being a Monday morning quarterback and 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 saying they were wrong. But I I was just looking at the game and I I I, I just couldn't understand that they hadn't learned anything from the previous game. They had made no tactical adjustment that I could see that would help them win the game. Like the recent last week that I thought it was so obvious that Aidan Shea was such a failure at full forward was big. Because they they were kicking the ball from the wrong areas and far far too deep, and they had no they had no discernible half forward line or a link in that half forward line that would be able to put a little bit more cultured ball into O'Shea. That like 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 Donahue was you know like it was done with Donahue in in zero six and zero seven not, and and we like Mayo Mayo just everybody got sucked back in and, and were tackling and tackling and tackling. And there was no, there was no link. So, so it was everything was a ninety-yard ball, and and I'm looking. That that's a that's a managerial or a coaching thing that is done during the week. That that we say, okay, we are at all costs, we must keep a presence between our forty-five and sixty-five, and that is something that the sideline is responsible for. And Mayo had no link whatsoever. So it was either we carry, 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 or turn back and shamey shea. How many times we carry and then turn back and hand pass it backwards and hand pass it across the field because they had no intermediate target to kick the ball to as opposed to just going long into the two boys and it was you know it was it was two v three all day inside there. And and the other the other like critical thing was your your you know I, I would have thought that some of the substitutions were were you know ill timed. Like I mean Barry Moran was probably tiring but he was still having a, a positive effect for Mayo. As soon as they took off all their you know I know it wasn't their fault with Jamie Shea but you know Macaulay came into the game hugely and and dominated there. I mean, you, um, what's his name? The guy that's after killing us so many times with goals. McMenamin did it again. Like they, they just didn't seem like there was any kind of a, you know a plan that okay lads, we're if we're not going to if we're not going to play with a link, by God, we're going to play with some one or two guys that are going to help out our full back line. Like they did neither. They they neither pressed up on their kickouts. They just gave them yeah. you know something like nineteen out of twenty kickouts. And then they they just played man for man at the back. So it was they, they neither kind of you know pushed up and tried to deny their kickouts, or or play a sweeper, or play. A, I I just don't know what they were what they were talking about for the whole week because it surely wasn't making tactical adjustments that was going to improve them on the previous week's performance. So right. that's why I'd be so critical of them. Yeah, uh, we got to wrap, wrap things up. I'm just putting an image in my head now of Kevin McManaman bearing down on goal against Kerry mm-hmm. with five minutes to go a couple of defenders in his way I think they might be a, a tad more physical than <laughs> and uh, he's not going to fist it over the bar I can guarantee no, you no he certainly won't he's not guilty of that scene that we've talked about with a lot of other fours listen Oshie, Mike brilliant stuff thanks for being modern day coaching what is it all about paralysis by analysis infiltrated by a load of spoofers and bluffers fellas with earpieces stuck in their ears psychologists Clive Woodward statisticians dietitians and as Mick O'Connell alluded to God save us yeah I'm, Mike is backing you up there Murph in terms of how hard you both are going on the management but the game plan did have them four points up well into the second half mm. so at that point I don't know. I got a sense after this Lee Keegan score that they it wasn't simply they sat back. But you think by sitting back that would mean that you'd actually get extra numbers back. Mm. It was just that psychologically they nearly sat back. They took their foot off. They it was as though they were waiting for the final whistle with twenty minutes to go, which is maybe. Do you know what I mean? Though I, I just think that last year 
it was James Hor you know Jay- yeah yeah no I, I I understand exactly where you're coming from I do and I think that it's always a combination of of, of both you know um yeah it is it's a very very difficult one to to try and analyze without going back to the trope of Mayo bottle it in some way or that there's a know, psychological yeah, weakness that, there yeah because it, that's the one thing that you can never definitively prove, you know. And really, what you're what you're trying to do when you look back at the game is, what did we see there? Like, what you know, instead of kind of trying to guess about what happened in the heads of people, what did we see that made the big difference? And I think that definitely there was an element in the first half that that Mayo were so wide open that Mayo had seemed to be playing all the football, and yet Dublin were kicking these ridiculous scores, and it just seemed far too easy for Dublin to get on the ball in areas where they could they could kick scores. And I think that that's, you know, that's both a system's failure and also po- possibly a player's failure. And the the last 15 minutes, you would think, well, again, to say Ushing's point about the substitutes, Pat Holmes and Noel Kennedy didn't have the luxury of bringing on the quality of player that Jim Gavin uh, brought on. And whatever about fitness being a thing, I think that the, the sub you bring on is always going to be fitter than the guy you take off. Um... So you know, there's it, it all kind of goes into into the pot, and you know, I think the apportioning of blame is kind of what this is all about, and also supremely unimportant when the fact of the matter is they're not in a, in the All Ireland final. They've played four All Ireland semi finals in the last twelve months, have had brilliant chances to win all four of those games, and unfortunately haven't won any of them. Yeah, funny enough, last year I always thought they'd be back. This year, I know, people are starting to think, well. They can't keep coming back to the well. They can't keep going back to the well, getting to semi-finals and finals and losing them. Ultimately, that does tend to break a group of players. Hopefully not, because they're unbelievably entertaining. Uh, every, the know. football championship would be such oh. a poor animal without Mayo. They really, they, they're the, nearly the engine of the entire summer every single year. They're the dominant narrative. And Mayo people kind of wearily look at you like, why are we such a source of fascination to you? But like that's the way it is. They play brilliant football and they... Haven't won All-Ireland in a long, long time. We've barely mentioned the perfect gentleman, Dermot Connolly. Yeah. Playing with a great sense of nobility. <laughs> if you could just take that bit of devil out of him, you know. Yeah, turns out turns out the devil maybe uh, yeah, inspires him in some up. But, uh, well, a couple of things on that. Firstly, I never bought into the idea that it was going to affect the team greatly. I don't think, I don't think Bernard Brogan was up at half two in the morning mm. waiting on the result of that, for example. It does affect the player, so it leads you to wonder, okay, on the one hand, Dublin are vindicated, they would say in going through all the processes because they got him off. But I don't know how worthwhile an exercise that is. You could get quite a lot of good publicity for yourself if you're Dublin by saying, no, listen, we're going to take this one on the chin. Yeah. And also knowing secretly that, well, he probably won't, he's probably, if we're going to have to go all the way to the DRA with this, as was fairly clear uh, in the middle of the week, then this is, uh, we're not going to get the Dermot Connolly we know yeah. about. And like Lee Keegan, the exact same last year, uh, Mayo fought tooth and nail to get him off for the... Semi-final against Kerry, you just didn't have a very good game, and I think that you you should be as hard-headed about that as you would be about team selection or about uh, bringing substitutes in. Five o'clock on Friday, if a guy isn't, if you haven't, if if he if he isn't available to play at five p.m. on Friday, it's too late. Mm. It's too late for the guy to actually to to play on the play on the team and actually have a very I, positive I, impact. I think so. Yeah. You know, so, whatever the, at half two in the morning is completely ridiculous. But I think if you've less than 24 hours... Maybe the bulletproof guys, you know, maybe, I don't know, there's only a few of them in the country that, that you absolutely know will not underperform. To be honest, Kevin Mack. If you were, Kevin, Kevin Mack. He's going to be sprung from the bench, so he'll have time anyway to yeah. think about if it. You yeah. were, if you were 
uh, drawing up a list of those names. The most hard-headed, uh, like, you know, uh, ruthless footballers in the country. I would have Lee Keegan and Jeremy Connolly, if not top of the list, it, both of them inside the top ten, and neither of them were able to positively impact the game after that happened. So I would say the lesson is learned. Yeah, so much going on with those two games. In fact, even the Connolly story overshadowed the hurling build-up big time. I think I think in ge- general, sort of a disappointing weekend, hurling-wise, in, in, without uh, dragging too much uh, too much away from it. And it's Kilkenny will say it's unfair just because they win the game. Yeah. But on Saturday morning, I, I opened the Irish Times sports section and there's not a mention of hurling on the front page of the, the sports yeah. section. Of course, it dominates today because it's a new cycle and this is Monday, the game was on yesterday. Uh, uh, but that was even before the Connolly story broke thereby dominating Twitter mm. for the few hours in between. It just seemed like it took quite a bit away from the hurling, but I don't know what the solution is there necessarily. Yeah, yeah, I, 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 I don't know. I mean, I think that the, if it was a Tipperary Kilkenny final, I think certainly there, it would have been, you know, I think the Galway angle was uh, fresh and I think a lot of people did, were rooting for Galway in a huge, huge way and I think that everyone is, you know, and no one in Kilkenny seems to mind there's 31 counties against them, them every September. But uh, no, I think, I, I think on Sunday, I think the occasion was... To have been at it was absolutely brilliant. Yeah, once you get to the Sunday, the the Ireland finals, Ireland final. All right, uh, quick mention of Ireland England. We barely, barely even, but we haven't touched on it yet. So let's do so now, Simon. How large? How long is this sleeve under which Joe Schmidt is hiding all these tricks? Yeah, <laughs> I mean, a lot of the talk after the game yesterday was that it's another five weeks till we play France. Um, there's obviously a few games in between now and then, but in terms of holding plays back, but also in terms of peaking physically. Ireland have looked a little underpowered against both Wales and England now, which we didn't in the last two Six Nations. And the suggestion is that we have longer to get ready for our big game than Wales or England do, which is true. They're in the, both in that tough group. But just how accurate can you be? Like, if you're the strength and condition coach, you say, don't worry, you're a little bit, you're 5% off now, but there's five weeks to go. Just how, like, modern professional rugby players, is it within the week that they know, almost like a 100-meter sprinter, you know, don't worry about last week, it's next week. Yeah, and I don't think you want to be training your body too hard in the middle of a World Cup. Okay, fair enough, we're playing the easy games first, but they won't be easy to a bunch of... When you're getting a, another bunch of 15 massive men <laughs> colliding into you, it won't yeah. feel, you know, they're not going to be able to train hard a few days either side of that. So, yeah, I, I agree with you. I'd be a little bit worried. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I watched the Aaron England game as I was going into the Mayo, into the semi-final, you know. And I mean, I think that there is, of all of the sports in the world, rugby isn't the game where you can kind of sort of play it like, you know, 90% and that'll be like nine tenths as good as your best, you know. It's like, you play it at 90% and you're blown off the park. Like, yeah, that's what it's, you milli, do. it's milliseconds yeah, it looks now, I, it really I, is. And I, like, say Ireland are camped on the line against Wales or they're camped on the line against England. Like, at that exact moment, you know, you're saying, right, okay, we, we have a move, you know, or we, we have something here and we're not going to use it. That doesn't just impact on, right, okay, I'm not going to run that line, so that's fine. What it actually... What you're actually reminding yourself of at the exact moment where you're going to like pile into a into a uh, a mall or a rock or whatever is that this doesn't matter. Yeah. At that exact moment, you're thinking this doesn't matter. Yeah. It, the it, only thing is, or it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter even ten percent as much as uh, as what as as what's coming down the track. Yeah. I think it. I mean, I think it's an unbelievably fiendishly difficult thing to try and prepare yourself for when you know that it doesn't matter and you everything that you do on the pitch is reminding you that it actually doesn't matter. Yeah. I mean, I, like the, 
I was watching the, the Sky coverage, you know, and how England had to win this game. They absolutely was, the the English were saying the Rugby World Cup starts now. Yeah. It doesn't. I mean, I mean it's, it's, it, just to say something like that is just so I, utterly I, I, ridiculous. I think the English are under such pressure from their own media that they need, after losing to France and getting badly beaten, they needed to win that game. They needed to look really good in that game. They needed to put more out uh, on the field than Ireland did. And yeah. I think that's probably a bad thing for England overall and a good thing for Ireland. Yeah. I mean, like in the build-up to the game, I was trying to... Uh, Trying to remember a situation where a rugby game could have mattered less to Ireland. I mean, what like, so what like what really was going on? You know, like you picked the, the the team is picked, so maybe for like three or four guys, Dave Kearney had to play really well. And funnily enough, the guy for whom it matters the most plays really well. I well, mean, I think we could you know well, some, of the, ba- some of the basics were really bad. Tommy Bow might have had his worst ever Irish performance. Shane Horgan on Sky was saying it's the worst forty minutes since the first half under Joe Schmidt. So there's some really worrying things. It's not as if everything's going to come right, but in terms of yeah, the other little finesses, I think, that mm. there is time. And I think maybe, sorry, and I think maybe just on a, a weekend like this where there's sports that so blatantly matters. You know, like an All-Iron Hurling at like a final or like an All-Iron Football semi-final. It's not like the championship is on. It's a huge, massive event. And I ju- when you go from one to the other and watch the two, it's like, well, this is, you know, the re- like one is a game and the other is, you know, everything. Kenny, back in Joe Schmidt to come up with the goods, come World Cup time. I've, I've got a lot of faith in Joe Schmidt. And his boys in green. Uh, well, I think Joe Schmidt is the, is the right kind of uh, coach, you know. I think that he'll have a plan. <laughs> but <laughs> I, I, then again, we are talking to the man who backed me up for, for Sam, so, you know. I, 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 mean, I, I probably shouldn't have mentioned it, but just I'm throwing it out there. Well, I, I did think Mayer were going to do it. I thought, there was a, um, I thought there was an irresistible spiritual force behind their quest for Sam this year. Uh but, uh, you know, I think I'm like a lot of people. I, I need to start giving Dublin the respect Dublin deserves. And... Uh, Ken McManaman in particular. And it looks to me as though it's probably going to be uh, another blue sky over Kroger. Thanks for listening to the show. <laughs> Check out the Irish Times Second Captain's Football Podcast. A lot of Ireland chat in that one. Also, as we mentioned earlier, Simon Cooper, very interesting piece on how Holland have fallen from third in the world to fourth in their European qualifying group in just <laughs> over a year. It does seem absolutely staggering. Uh, he had a lot of good stuff to say on that. If you listen on iTunes, do uh, rate uh, the podcast, comment on it as well. You're probably already subscribed, I assume, if you're listening to us. But if not, if this is a one-off, then do subscribe as well. And listen to all the other usual channels. You can follow us on Twitter at secondcaptains, facebook.com forward slash secondcaptains. Thanks, Simon. Thank you. First Thanks again, both. sorry. First again. Thanks, <laughs> Simon. Thanks, Kieran. Thanks, 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 Ken. Thanks, Owen. Thanks, Simon. Enjoy your day. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowl and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowl and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 